Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Sowing and reaping is one of those timeless things that has been with us since the beginning of time. And it's something that we do on a daily basis. And I'll bet you, you sow and reap without even thinking about it. You plant a tomato seed, you grow a tomato plant, you reap tomatoes. You study hard at university. You earn a degree that's sowing and reaping. You invest money in a pension plan. When you're 65, you get to reap the benefits of that pension plan. If you sow time and care and kindness into people, you reap friendships. It's the same with your marriage. If you sow time into your spouse, you reap a good marriage, if you spend time in prayer, in the Bible, in spiritual disciplines, you have a strong relationship with God. This idea of sowing and reaping happens consistently throughout our lives. And it's not just about money. Um, And it works even when the seed is bad. Sowing and reaping still happens. If you plant weed seeds, you're not gonna get tomatoes. If you treat people badly, you're not going to have good friendships. It is a law that has been set in place, and we shouldn't be surprised when it works and when it happens. Last week, we heard really good news. If you missed last week's sermon, I encourage you to catch up on the website. But today, I want to look a little bit practically on how sowing and reaping works in our everyday lives, how we can intentionally incorporate it into what we do every day. So I want to start by reading from Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Now, there are two particular verses in that passage of Scripture that I want to concentrate on. And the first one was verse 15, where it says, A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his provisions. The Message Bible says, Life is not defined by what you have, even if you have a lot. The Amplified Bible says, not even when one has an overflowing abundance does his life consist of, 
nor is it derived from his possessions. Friends, you are not what you have. You are so much more than that. There is nothing wrong with having. There is nothing wrong with abundance. The problem is when our trust and our hope and our future all depends on what we can gain for ourselves and our wealth. The man in the story was, I'm set up for life now. I've got everything I need. I can just sit back and relax. I don't have to do anything else. But his life did not consist of his abundance. If you have abundance, be thankful, be grateful. The Bible says it is God who gives us the ability to earn wealth. The Bible says that every good thing comes from him. He loves to bless us. He loves to look after us. But don't let your life be defined by what you have and what you own, because you may not always have it. James and I have a family member, and he has always loved the finer things in life. And while he was still uh, in his early 20s, he had a really great job. He went out, bought himself a great flat, a fancy car. He had all of the latest devices, the MacBook and the iPhone and the iPad. He had um, all the subscriptions, you know, the biggest sky package he could have. He lived a really full life. And one day, he was made redundant. And overnight, he lost it all. He lost his flat. He lost his car. He had to file for bankruptcy. He had to go right back to the very beginning and start all over again. If his life was defined by those things he had, where would he be after that happened? He was still the same person. His family still loved him. His friends still loved him. He may have lost some of his friends, perhaps. But he still had the same character, the same personality. He was still the same person. His life was not defined by what he had. He, ha he had to work hard now, and he has. He now has another house and another car. He has worked hard to get back to where he was. But life sometimes has a funny way of throwing us curveballs. And if we put all of our hope and our trust and our future in stuff, we might find ourselves in trouble one day. So that was verse 15. The second verse I want to concentrate on is verse tw uh, 21. But if I I'll read from verse 20. It says, God said, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Now notice the verse doesn't say this will be how it is with anyone who stores up things for himself, full stop. It's, it's okay to save. It's okay to put away for the future. But we need to take it a little bit further. And we need to, this, this thing called rich towards God which we're going to talk about. So it doesn't matter how much we have or how much we don't have. Are we rich towards God? And you know, there are people who have very little, yet they are rich towards God. When James and I were at Bible school in the mid to late 90s, we went on a, um, a missions trip to Hong Kong, China, and Vietnam. 
And when we were in Hong Kong, we met up with a Chinese lady who came into China with us. For us, it was a really scary experience. We were traveling on a train. Each of us were, um, had, we had a backpack with our stuff, and then we had two bags full of Bibles that we were basically smuggling into China. We weren't supposed to be taking these kinds of things in. We had them um, packed on shelves all the way down the, the aisle of the train. And I just, I remember this vivid picture of this uh, Chinese police officer, a communist police officer walking down the aisle with all these bags of Bibles above him. And I just remember thinking how ironic it was, this picture. But w- what I want to talk about is this lady who came with us. Now, if, if we were found out to be bringing Bibles into China, we would have just been sent home. But this lady was a Chinese national with a Chinese passport. Her very life was at stake doing what she was doing. She didn't have a lot in terms of money. She had recently, um, well, she was pregnant with a baby who had been diagnosed with spina bifida. She was having a lot of health issues. She didn't have a lot of money to deal with her health issues. But here she was, sowing her life into people who were lost. Here she was, on the train, with this bunch of students from America who didn't know what they were doing. And while we were scared to be taking Bibles in and speaking to anybody, she would sit quietly on the train and have conversations in Chinese with individual people, even though her life was at stake. She was sowing into the kingdom of God with the little that she had. Are you, my friend, rich towards God? Do you have a rich relationship with him? Are you obedient to him? That's what she was. She was obedient to him. To us, it was an adventure. You know, this is amazing what we get to do. To her, it was her life. Are you using what God has given you for his purposes? Your talents, your possessions, your knowledge. Are you sowing into his kingdom? The legacy that we leave behind when we sow into the kingdom of God is an eternal legacy. If we have stuff, when we die, maybe somebody will inherit that. I don't know, I've I've heard of some rich people leaving stuff to dogs and cats and all sorts, you know, really. Somebody might benefit from our wealth. But when we sow into people, when we sow into the kingdom of God, we leave an eternal legacy. I want to tell you about a lady who has been very instrumental in my life as a Christian. When I was 11 years old, she and her husband, and her name is Gail Ashton, and Gail and Mike ran the children's ministry in our church. And because of the work that they did, I became a Christian at the age of 11. And not only that, I went on to then, at about the age of 13 or 14, I started teaching in the children's church, and Gail would come alongside me, and she would guide me and teach me and show me. I can remember the very first children's lesson that I taught was five minutes long. (laughs) And we still had 40 minutes with a group of 10 children. But she came alongside me, and she played games, and she taught me 
And because of Mike and Gail Ashton, I'm standing here today. Because of them, I know Jesus. I will never forget Gail Ashton. She also helped me get an A for maths in my O-level maths. She was also my math tutor. She, she impacted me a lot. Today, Gail is fighting cancer and is at the point where there is nothing more that the doctors can do for her, and she's just living out her last days with her family. But she has impacted so many lives because of what she sowed into the children of Highlands Presby Church in the 90s. And everybody that I might impact is to her account. Her legacy is an eternal legacy, and she can be proud of what she has done in her life. Friend, can you be proud of what you have sown in your life? Is the legacy that you leave eternal, like the legacy that Gail left or will leave? What does your life consist of? Is it just about the here and the now and what you can gain? Or is it about what is to come? Do you know, when we think about this concept of eternity, it is so difficult for us to understand. And I like to think of it as, you know, if you just think about all the air molecules in this room, our life here on earth is like one of those air molecules. And eternity fills the rest of the room. What we do here on earth is so small, so tiny, so little time. We have to prepare for the rest of eternity. And I want to say to you, you have talents, you have knowledge, you have possessions to sow into the kingdom of God. Even if you think you don't, you do. Because God has put them in you. And we, here at Lighthouse, have room for you to sow. We have space. We have serving teams that need people. We have precious children that need to be taught and guided. We have a place for you. I've heard it said that one of the wisest choices a person can make is to be a generous person. And it's not just about being generous with our money. It's about ourselves and everything that we have. Um, I just want to read now from Matthew 25. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who'd received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. 
come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here it is, what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bank, so when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him. Give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this parable does seem quite harsh, but the principle is clear. The aim for us, well, certainly when I read this, this parable, the aim for me is at the end of my life to hear the master say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. Yes, please. That is what I want. Just note that the servant who gained the five talents received the same reward as the servant who gained the two talents. Both of them sowed, they sowed what they had, and they reaped a harvest. They both received the same reward. God measures our generosity not by the size of the gift, but by the size of the sacrifice. He said about um, the widow, the, little, uh, the old woman who put two tiny little copper coins into the temple treasury, Jesus said she gave more than all of these rich people strutting around, putting their wealth into the box. It's about the size of the sacrifice, not about the size of the gift. Getting up early on a Sunday morning might be a sacrifice, it might be hard, but it is so worth it when we think about sowing into the kingdom of God. Not doing the church leaders a favor, we are making room and space for people to come and hear God's word and worship him and come to know him. And what's exciting is that God blesses our generosity. Just as the, the, the master rewarded his servants, God rewards us as his servants. And his principle of sowing and reaping works in such a way that not only we benefit, but everyone else around us benefits from our generosity. So why? Why does God bless generosity? Well, I have a theory. I think there are two reasons why God blesses our generosity. The first one, I believe, is because it requires faith. God is a rewarder of faith, Hebrews 11 tells us. In fact, it says it is impossible to please him without faith. Sowing can feel 
like a risky business. It can sometimes feel counterintuitive. It sometimes doesn't make sense. Other t some people might think we're crazy for the way that we sow. If I give up my time on a Sunday morning, when will I have time to rest? If I invest in people, will they reject me? If I give money, will I then have enough? Sometimes it's hard. I think we are conditioned in life that investment is risky. That if we invest in a business, in a company, if we invest our money somewhere, it could go one of two ways. It could be successful or it could fail. But I want to say to you that when God leads you to sow, to invest, or to give, it feels risky, but it's not. Because his kingdom principle stands. It's about being obedient to what he says, sowing where he tells you to sow, sowing what he tells you to sow. It simply requires faith, faith and obedience. Now, you will know, and I, I know I've spoken about him um, in previous messages that I've given, but I, I just feel like his story is such a great example. Um, Angus Buchan, the... Uh, He's now a very famous preacher, mostly in South Africa, and he's known for his faith. But right at the beginning of his, uh, before he was even a Christian, he was a farmer in Zambia. He lost his farm because of the situation in the country. He moved his family to South Africa, bought a parcel of land, started from scratch. He and his wife, his three children, his wife was pregnant, was their fourth. They were on this land that had never been uh, tilled, they lived in a caravan, they had nothing. And they had to start this farm from scratch. And over time, they slowly built a house. He became a Christian. And there was one particular season that was really bad in terms of drought. And it was looking like none of the farmers were going to be successful. And he really felt that God told him to plant potatoes. Now, do you know why Jersey gets such good potato harvest? Because we have so much rain, because we have so much water, Jersey can grow potatoes. He was living in South Africa in the middle of one of the worst droughts for decades. And God told him to plant potatoes which need water. The scientists in the area were telling farmers, if you cannot irrigate, do not plant, because your crop will fail. But Angus Buchan took what God said to him. He rented extra fields from neighboring farms. He borrowed money to buy the potato seed. And against everybody's advice, he planted potatoes. Now, if you haven't read his book or seen his film, I encourage you to do so. It's called Faith Like Potatoes. And there is this very emotional scene where it comes time to harvest his potatoes, and it's just him and his right-hand farm man who walk out to this expanse of potatoes, and the plants are not looking great. They're not looking very healthy because they haven't been watered. And as you know, potatoes grow underneath the ground, so it's difficult to know what's been happening. 
and this very emotional scene of how they're starting to look at the potatoes, and suddenly all of his neighbors and all of his friends from around come and help him harvest his potatoes. And he starts digging, and he pulls out the most amazing potatoes. God grew the potatoes in the midst of a drought because Angus Buchan believed him and was obedient and sowed the potatoes. He cornered the, t- the market in potatoes. Friends, that's what God will do for us. Now, he might not ask you and I to do something that great, and he will start us off on little lessons He won't ask us to do something so amazing straight away. I remember when James and I were first married, we were both working for a church. We didn't have a lot of money. I remember one night, um, our life group was coming to our house um, for a meeting, and we didn't have any milk, and we didn't have any money to buy milk. So we were scrabbling around, trying to find any coins we dropped in the bottom of the car, We had, in Zimbabwe, we used to buy soft drinks in glass bottles, and you could take the glass bottle and get 50 cents back or whatever it was. We found all the glass bottles that we could find, and we took it all, and we eventually got enough money together to buy a carton of milk so that we could make tea and coffee for our life group. And there was this one night that we were going to our evening service at church, and I had $50 in my purse, which in those days meant something in Zimbabwe. These days it would mean nothing. But that was, our, that was it until the end of the week when payday was. That's all we had was that $50. And it would have got us through the week. But I have this clear memory of walking into church and walking down the aisle and God saying to me, I want you to give that $50 in the offering tonight. And if I'm honest, the first thing I thought was, Man, I should have left it at home. <laughs> because giving my last $50, fortunately, we didn't have kids in those days. It was just James and I. We could eat baked beans on toast for the rest of the week or go to mom and dad. But I just, you know, God said to me, give the $50. So I did. And we had a great service. We went home. And when I got home that night, I opened my handbag and there was an envelope in my handbag with $150. And God got us through that week with even more than I would have had if we'd hung on to that $50. And there are little ways that God asks us to sow every single day. A little bit of time for someone who needs it. A little bit of knowledge that we have to share it with someone. A little bit of something, even money. Listen to what God is saying. One of my favorite quotes from Angus, and I'm sure you've heard it from me and you've heard it from James, is the conditions for a miracle are difficulty. The conditions for a great miracle, impossibility. And it's hard for our human minds to comprehend. It's hard for us sometimes to step out in faith and do these things. But the point is, if we want to see the kinds of things that Angus Buchan sees, if we even want to see God working in ways like he did for James and I in our early days of marriage, we've got to be taking those steps of faith. We've got to be listening to the voice of God, and we've got to be obeying him and do what he says. Otherwise, life will just carry on. God blesses us in so many ways. 
But we have to step out and take those actions of faith. So my friend, I want to ask, what faith act is God asking from you? What does he want you to sow? Where does he want you to sow? How, what can you do to be rewarded with the master's happiness? How can you be obedient and rich towards God? Gee, I need to hurry. Okay, so secondly, the second reason that God blesses generosity is so that we can continue to be generous. One of my favorite verses or uh, chapters in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Friends, God supplies us with bread and seed. If we, eat our, if we eat our seed, we have no more bread or seed. We eat our bread, we sow our seed. Ask God to show you where is your seed. Do you remember that movie? <coughs> Some years ago, uh, James even preached a sermon on it, The Martian with Matt Damon. He gets left on Mars and when they figure out that he's still alive, his rescue plan's gonna be two or three years. Um, he's got a, a few bits and pieces to eat to keep him alive. One of the things he had was potatoes. Now, if he'd just eaten all of his potatoes, he would have only lasted a few months. But with a horticultural background, he created a potato farm on Mars, and he grew potatoes, and he lasted until they could rescue him. That's just a movie, but the principle stands. Friends, don't eat your seed. Sow your seed so that you can continue to have bread to eat and continue to be generous. We benefit from our generosity because we continue to have bread to eat and seed to sow. Others benefit from our generosity because they are receiving what we are giving and it all results in thanksgiving to God. He is glorified. People come to know him because of our generosity and that is what we are all about. That is what church is all about, is bringing people to know Jesus. A couple of years ago as a church, you will know we made some tough financial decisions. Two years down the line, we have now taken some huge steps of faith. We have planted out a new congregation. That has been a huge cost in our time, in people, because we are sending people over there in money. We're now paying rent on two venues. We've had to buy extra equipment, the um, internet for the live streaming. It has been a huge cost for us, but we are being obedient to what we believe God has told us to do. And that is to create space to bring people to know him. 
I just want to say to you, you, you have an opportunity to sow yourself into these two churches that we now have. You have an opportunity to leave a legacy that is eternal because you are sowing into the work that God is doing. Don't talk yourself out of something before you've even tried it. Don't say, I can't be in a welcome team because I never remember names. Do you know there have been many times I've introduced myself to people and they've said, yes, we've met before. Or I've said, oh, are you new here? And they've said, no, I've been coming for six months. Do you know what? It's not going to stop me from introducing myself to new people. Can we, can, I just, can we release each other from the need to have our name remembered? Do you know, if you don't remember someone's name or if someone doesn't remember my name, it's okay, just tell them again. But greet people and love people. Join our welcome teams. Join our tea and coffee teams. Don't say, in my job, I have people to do that for me. Friends, coffee is important. That is an important job. We need our coffee on a Sunday morning. You know, don't think it to yourself, I don't have time during the week to prepare a lesson for children. Think about the impact that you could have on these precious minds who need to know Jesus. The lasting impact, the impact that Gail had on me and everybody that I have an impact on. Ask God where he wants you to. And, and we actually are a great church. Do you know that we have people in our church leading four-star hotels on this island who are here early setting up chairs on a Sunday morning? We have people in high accounting positions coming and doing menial jobs on a Sunday morning because they're sowing into the kingdom. We have a retired minister in our church. He and his wife, for decades, served the people of Jersey. They used to bus children into tent meetings and share the gospel with them. They are now in those years where they have earned their rest. Do you know, when they first started coming to our church, after a Sunday service, you would find him vacuuming the carpet at the back. That, my friend, is sowing into the kingdom of God. It doesn't have to be about standing at the front preaching a message. It doesn't have to be about being on the streets evangelizing. Those are good things God wants us to do. But it's also about setting up the chairs, making the coffee, vacuuming the carpet, giving to the needs that the church has. So here's my challenge to you. I challenge you. I dare you. In fact, I triple dog dare you. Ask God where he wants you to sow, what he wants you to sow. Be obedient and then stand back and see what he will do. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.